It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 23 of the Redirect Podcast. It is Thursday, November 9th. 2017. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. Welcome this week by Ashley and Patrick is back as well uh, from the Black Truck team. So welcome back, Patrick. Since since you missed last week, yeah. you you get uh, yeah you better up. So healthy children for the season. It's good. It so is so far. I mean, healthy is relative for children this time of year. So I didn't get called out to go pick up the kid from school. Um, <laughs> it's cold and flu season. Cold and flu season. So yeah, I was out last week. This week I'm jumping into an article kind of near and dear to my heart. Something I've always talked about is image optimization on web pages. Search Engine Watch put out an article a couple days ago. Um, Actually came out today, sorry. Um, Called Image Optimization 101. How to rank higher in image search. Um, So it's not just your basic how to get your load times faster, Mm -hmm. but it's how to rank and search on, on images. It's, it was kind of interesting how it took two different avenues. It's if you specifically want your image to show up in rank versus just as a byproduct having your images show up in rank or in search. Hmm. Um, but it went through the basics, some, some good stuff to, to go through. It started off with um, the ever-increasing importance of page load time, especially in mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a good um, thing to... Always keep in mind as a web page builder or even the people who do their own blogging kind of deal, mm-hmm. um, in addition to the main content on their site, is a large image file doesn't really help anyone. I thought that was kind of an interesting Which thing. is something I think that you've, mm-hmm. brought, you've brought to the table a number of times when we've talked about site performance and how it can impact search. You know, it takes into, again, the user-centric side of search yeah. is that if you have an image that is large in file size, not image size, mm-hmm. large in file size, that clearly it's going to take a lot longer to load. Right. Um, but you're taking it purely from the search angle that Google's going to maybe place some some weight on that too? Yeah, it, and um, it, a combination. So if you're a <clears throat> web page that, if the, if the image lies on a web page that takes a long time to load, it's going to lose mojo in search value value yeah um in a serp an image serp Mm -hmm. because if it's a slow load it's going to get pushed down Mm -hmm. um another interesting one that i liked that i think maybe we should practice more often is uploading pngs over jpegs or gifs Mm -hmm. Mm uh a a gif doesn't or as ashley likes to call it a a gif gif that's your Uh, mom's peanut butter (laughs) (laughs) um a gif doesn't have to be an animated file you can save it as a, mm-hmm. as a static image. Mm-hmm. Um, a JPEG has better uh, compression rates, but it can have compression loss. A PNG uh, is going to be more apt to have the smaller size during load, and you don't have the compression loss over time. So the suggestion is to use a PNG whenever possible when um, providing images for your site. That- before I go on, um, that just made me realize that Canva actually, when you download images from Canva, they are automatically um, PNGs. Mm. So that's that's a plus. Yeah. That must have there must have been some strategy behind right. that on their right. part. Yeah. So. When you, at least with iPhones, if you do a screenshot, 
uh, those are PNGs as well. I think a lot of times too, you know, traditionally uh, a PNG is the the big formatting. There has always been the transparent PNG. If you're familiar with the, uh, you know, especially the Photoshop and yeah. and and Adobe Illustrator world and stuff. So, um, did did they did this article give anything? You know, big things that we see that dominate image search is Pinterest. I mean, Pinterest mm. just kills image search. Right. Um, I did. It didn't touch on that. I think the reason that uh, Pinterest will is because it carries so much authority. Yeah. So I think I think where I'm going with that is think about this: is what if what if you were you mu- much like let's not talk about link building. Let's talk about being doing link strategy. Mm-hmm. You know, if our in our image strategy and right. our quest to especially if we have a product that's a very uh, uh, image centric or it needs to be seen mm-hmm. like it's it's that's visually appealing. Right. Um, would you take an account that maybe you might want to also have some Pinterest boards built out around those images as well with the notion of like, uh, yeah, ideally we want to have the site dominate that, mm-hmm. but okay, well, what if you build a Pinterest board based off around yeah. those themes and, and let that, let your Pinterest board dominate? Right. It, it could. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. I did have a section on link building per se <clears throat> and how to utilize your images for link building. And creating these engagement ideas, but it didn't mm-hmm. say going to third party because it's um, it's a no follow on so- social accounts or no Good follow, point, yeah. so that link juice doesn't travel down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. They just have to be based on interactions and engagement from that point. Uh, Another one that I thought was good was uh, we all know about alt tags, mm-hmm. but there's also in in some instances you can do. Um, an alt tag and then a title tag kind of inside the image. So you have the option to do both. Kind of mm-hmm. think about it as a page, like on a, on a standard page, a page mm-hmm. title and a page description, um, or a page title and an H1, I should say. Yeah. So your H1 is more like your alt tag, and um, the, the title tag will be more like your basic page title. Hmm. We had a discussion this week with a client about whether or not they wanted to use... It, it borders along the lines of images. It was more for a video, uh, an SWG file versus like an HTML5 file. Mm-hmm. And there's pros and cons of both. The SWG file, though, will actually scale and move better for um, usability depending on the device. So in our case, we actually erred on the side of, well, let's go for usability side mm-hmm. and usability's sake, knowing that maybe this was a feature... Like that wasn't the only thing on the page. This was just a feature on the page. So let's make sure that the usability, the human side, is just rock solid in there. They have a really great user experience. At the end of the day, and, keep you it know, human. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's going to win out to make a better internet. You know, is keep it human. True. Uh, another, obviously, I'll, I'll end with this one is um, the use of stock images. There's um, left and right arguments about if stock <laughs> images hurt your search results ah. they indirectly they directly do not using a stock image won't hurt you for rank <coughs> metrics okay. however if you happen to use an image that gets used a lot it's going to you're, you're quote unquote going to be seen through you know mm-hmm. the, you're, you're, the person in the SERP is going to see that this is oh this is a common image I'm not going to click it this, yeah. is, this is an everyday average stock image there's some really lousy stock photography that gets used a lot and there's some really good the interracial handshake yeah <laughs> or, stock photos or the, bo- the, the boardroom with the 12 24 year olds <laughs> absolutely yes different ethnicities yep, yep. Um, uh, headsets yep. headsets yep. Yep. she works for everyone yes she does um, 
<laughs> yeah, so use original content wherever possible. That's always it in the world of content. It means the same thing in images. So if it, it'd be better off to spend an hour with a nice camera and go try and create your own image. If you can't afford to hire a pro, do your best. If not, try to find that stock image that isn't used a million yeah. times or it really speaks to your audience without being repetitive and cliche. That's really great points. Good stuff to touch on. Ashley, I'm throwing it to you now. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So we've talked a lot about the rise of voice search mm-hmm. and um, especially due to smartphones and home smart devices. And and then we've talked about where those results come from that these digital assistants read back to us, you know, um, I don't know if it's like confirmed as fact that like it's the featured snippet. Yeah, historically, I, I think that's a very very safe. Okay. I think that's a very safe thing mm-hmm. to say. I know that we've been saying that, but I just yeah. thought that was like. I think it's constantly official. changing, so right, perhaps exactly. that's what you're going to exactly. bring to mind. Uh, not exactly, <laughs> but um, HubSpot just posted an article on um, whether or not people trust mm-hmm. Google's featured snippets. Mm-hmm. which I thought was a, it had a very interesting headline, so I clicked on it. Um, the headline was, only 7% of people actually trust Google's featured snippets. That's, wow. I, I hate surveys or results <laughs> like that because that means the 7% of who. Well, yeah, don't get too analytical right. and say what was the sample size. And yeah, any, I did not catch... Know, statistical, excuse me. Yeah, I, I did not catch the... Um, you know, the number of people that they surveyed, but they did survey consumers in Australia, the UK, and the United States. Um, And they found that only 7% of respondents consistently trust the featured snippet results. Hmm. Um, 21% never trust them, and 36% are neutral about them in the results of this survey, okay? Um, And for those of you listening who might not be familiar, the featured snippet is a summary, summary response to a search query um, that shows at the top of the search engine results page. Um, so, AKA position zero. Yeah, position zero. We will link to our blog post on that so you can you can catch that um, in our show notes. But um, so featured snippet content is pulled from some website somewhere online, mm-hmm. and that is the source that Google believes is answering the search query best at the time that that search is performed. Um, and it's not necessarily the number one ranking page for that search query. So going back to what Jason said, you know, that featured snippet is changing quite frequently. Um, I've seen some, some graphs shared on social media from some other SEOs of how volatile some um, featured snippets can mm. be. So um, that's something that we've talked about, you know, going after as SEOs, getting that featured snippet. But obviously this article, you know, brings that strategy into question a little bit. Um, but the author, you know, explores why it might be that so few people trust the content of the featured snippets. Um, and she gave some great examples of some quote-unquote um, bad featured <laughs> snippets that don't actually answer the query um, or answer it in a misleading way. Like one of them was, um, she asked, um, this was a typed query, but, you know, how long does it take to caramelize onions? The featured snippet that came up said five minutes. Well, that five minutes was actually like part of the whole process or something mm. like that, you know? Mm. So um, so it was a bad response because it was just taking this time snippet from the whole piece of content that explained the whole process, didn't give the actual hmm. time. So, you know, again, bad, bad featured snippets. That's interesting. Yeah. So um, 
some instances of that can be more negative than others. Say if someone you know uses Dr. Google to diagnose a symptom uh, yes. and they get an answer <clears throat> that they think, oh well, you know, I don't need to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that might be kind of extreme. I don't know how many people like actually, you know, have a bad consequence from, you know, googling and whatever. <laughs> but you know, that's an example. So. Um, so she says, the author here says, in other words, there's good reason to take featured snippet results with a grain of salt as a searcher. And then she says, for marketers, it could be worthwhile to optimize for featured snippets. And then she adds, ethically, of course, and with accurate, truthful information, which, of course, is Duh. the way to do it. Um, I hope you didn't have to give your information away to get that info from HubSpot. <laughs> no. No, this was, this was open to the public. You're already on their list anyways. No. It's okay. But anyway, I, you know, I, I thought her language was interesting. It could be worthwhile to optimize for featured snippets. I wanted to continue that conversation a little bit and say that as marketers, we should be optimizing for featured snippets. Yes, with the truthful information, um, because if we can establish more reliable featured snippets, then we'll not only be helping out searchers, but then we'll be helping out our clients as well. Um, because as featured snippets come to be more trusted, yeah. because they're actually helping people, They'll be clicked on more, you know, and then our clients, um, well, unless they answer that query, you know, on the search engine results page, which of course is Google's goal. But um, there's also something to be said about, you know, giving a user just enough that they might want to click through to the page as well. Um, So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, if the problem is unreliable featured snippets, let's inject a little bit of our honest SEO to make a good name for this area of search. Um, It not only exists to serve up what is believed to be the best, most relevant answer for search queries, um, but will likely be feeding our voice assistants going forward, and um, the dependence on that is only growing. So... I think that's really. I mean, I think it's it's interesting the the point that HubSpot takes on it, which is which is very interesting. you know, we already know, I, I used this stat in a couple slide decks recently, like eight, 18%, maybe 20% of searches result in in the user going back and changing their query, mm, yeah. right? So because because we know the web, in a lot of search results, like we're, people are fairly disappointed, right? Like we know you're more likely to change your search query than go to page two or three. And you're going to be like, nope, not getting the answers I want. Boom, I'm going to go back. Obviously, that we can like poke holes in all kinds of, of things that they did or didn't do. We didn't do the study, so but you know it, it's very subjective to mm-hmm. say that people don't trust it. It's also subject, sub, uh, you know, subjective to say that you know WordStream will tell us that sixty percent of people are going to click on on ads, mm-hmm. you know, AdWords ads. What's interesting is that brands as it relates to featured snippet, there's a very few brands that own the featured snippet. So perhaps if more brands own the featured snippet to what they were related to or what right. it was relevant to, perhaps that, um, that uh, um, what would we call it? Trust. Um, consumer trust, yeah, would, would increase over time. And perhaps we start to see that number of people going back and doing different searches decrease. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go the other way and say... It, it, Gotta always think of as an SEO, I see the featured snippet as beta. We're in a different, you know, I call it web 3.0, maybe now as we're moving into, and this whole notion of automation is still a learning process. And as a user, I've seen plenty of featured snippets that were 
less than ideal, mm. maybe not 100% wrong or false mm. or inaccurate. But as SEOs, we got to realize, and as users, we have to realize that there's no formula to get a featured snippet. I don't want to say it's a crapshoot, but it's borderline a crapshoot. You know, there's there's there's, there's theories, right? There's, there's theories. theories on there's it. certain thoughts behind how you get it or what you get it and best practices, but there's no hard evidence that says this will work, this will not work. And I've seen featured snippets show up that would fall under the categories of people saying, no, this is not the strategy to get it. And then they've get, gotten a featured snippet out of it. Yeah. So there's no, <clears throat> there's no manipulating it. Users can't manipulate it. The trust level in there, it's under beta and search engines that are, that are using this to try to get it accurate. And it's going to be um, built upon user data. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're, if we're clicking on it or we're not clicking on it, that tells uh, the big G if it's working or not. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I'll see a featured snippet that looks to be maybe 70% in my wheelhouse and what I was trying to get the answer mm-hmm. for. And I'll still click on it and see if this, is, this was the right thing, if I need to see more. But maybe it's me as a smarter searcher based on my years of being an SEO or just my right. years of being an internet user. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I think it's going to end up being the user. And, and actually, you describe a lot of things where, well, duh, that's just part of life. You know, you need yeah. to use your brain a little bit more <laughs> when you're doing homework and make sure that you're, if, if it says the sky is green, then you need to know, okay, there's something <clears throat> wrong here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps there's a tornado coming. Yeah, <laughs> true. Uh, it's all really good stuff. Good. All right, my turn. So uh, I think I'm going complete rogue, but it's very timely, right? I mean, uh, I'm going to go with uh, strategies for last-minute holiday shopping campaigns. Hmm. So uh, there's been a lot of discussion in our office lately about, you know, that we see Christmas being pushed (laughs) on consumers much earlier, right? You know, Halloween barely gets over. Like, they can't even even drop candy prices in a store 50%. And here's the damn Christmas trees. <laughs> or we have radio stations that are playing holiday music, Christmas music, basically from Halloween on mm-hmm. ad-free. I took my son to Lowe's last night after work, Lowe's hardware store, and the gigantic inflatable Santas and reindeer mm-hmm, were mm-hmm. out just next to yep. the door, and my son went bananas. Like, yep. no, no, we're going in the other direction, son. Yep. Well, I, so I think what's what's interesting is is that not only are we seeing that in the stores, but uh, we don't see that, at least where I've been browsing online, we don't see it pushed as early online. Mm. You, st- you, you really don't see the promotional efforts really start to ramp up until... You know, I would say next week, right? We're a week Hmm. out from the traditional Black Friday, Cyber Monday. You're going to start to see that really get pushed out there. So um, for brands of of all sizes, most major brands are always, you know, they they have their holiday holiday promotions. That's all baked in by, I would say, they have that dialed in by July or August, right? I mean, they know. And then they have budgets and tactics and everything else they're going to do. But Let's say, for instance, maybe you're a brand that has sat a little idle or you're a small business that ha- is an e-commerce player or, or what have you, and you're looking for ways to possibly like supercharge those efforts. Like There's still time to do that, to do it smart. Um, so I just wanted to kind of go over some of that, and this, this will go into a much longer deep dive uh, blog post that, that I've actually been working on. So top points are... Uh, establishing proper campaign schedules, 
understanding your seasonal audience, promotional campaigns, uh, so what campaigns, what promos to run by channel, so what outlet do you do, and then uh, are you taking care of your existing customers? So from a scheduling perspective, you know, I, I think it's, it's silly to, you know, of course you're going to include November, right, and leading up to Christmas, but I would certainly want to run some promotions after the holidays too. I would certainly want to make sure I include... Uh, January in my promotional efforts too, because you know, I, what is it? Isn't it the day? Isn't it the day after Christmas? Is is like also the like second the second biggest shopping day? Exactly. Yeah. So you can't tell me that if people are returning in store, they're also trying to do returns and exchanges online. Plus, they have gift cards and things of that nature. So you need to be in front of people during those times as well. Or if you're at a holiday gathering and you see something that someone got, it might spark your interest to go and look for it. So mm. why not have total me to play, but be prepared for that, right? And mm -hmm. have some budget allocated there. So keep that in mind there. Uh, so while you might have those big pushes for that Black Friday, Cyber Monday deal, I think Black Friday's kind of run its course by now since even like Home Depot has their Black Friday link that runs year round. You know, they're totally just playing off of the search traffic there, but uh, so understanding seasonal audience, um, not all products and services are going to do well during the holidays. So you can't be all things to all people just like trying to figure out what, what channel is going to work best for promotions. It's like, look at your historical sales throughout the year. You have access to that. Somebody should. You should be able to say, okay, these, these types of products peaked during the holiday shopping season or as we get into colder weather, maybe you are an apparel manufacturer, that's an obvious choice. Or you happen to be one of the brands that has those hot must-haves uh, of the season. You either have a product that falls on one of those lists, whether it's toys, electronics, something like mm -hmm. that. Obviously, those mm -hmm. are ones to go after. Um, so make sure you're putting your efforts behind those, but don't lose track of like what I call ancillary products and services, those things that are totally the shoppers who bought this also bought that, or, you know, you bought this toy, did you forget batteries, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that philosophy. Um, or maybe you have some upsell cross promotion. Um, you know, I think, I think all of us have been in that situation before where you get something, maybe it's as a gift or you're buying it and you go, man, I didn't think about that other item that could go along with this, mm -hmm. right? Um, so don't be so constrained, I think, uh, just to the hot ticket items. Look back over the entire year and see what, what promotions converted the best and, and see if there's, there's ways that you can use those products that maybe they delivered the best profit margin mm -hmm. and you can promote those more. Um, so how can you pepper those in? Uh, promotional campaigns by channel. This is a, I think this is a really big one. You know, in the digital marketing space as, uh, you know, whether in your paid search or paid social, uh, especially, um, you, you've probably been promoting products through AdWords, Facebook, Instagram, things like that. But are you promoting, again, all products to all people? And that might not be smart. Mm. I would say retool that approach for the holidays. Um, you know, Instagram, I mentioned before, back to Patrick, your point on optimizing for images. If you have a product that is more lifestyle-oriented, um, just comes across better in a visual or orientation, run an Instagram-only campaign. You know, try and get in front of those people kind of at the right time. 
Um, I would totally test it out that way. The other side is like the beauty behind Facebook is the targeting and layering that you have there. So go and look at throughout the year Facebook insights and see the type of content and type of posts that your audience is engaged with. Mm -hmm. And then go and look in your product catalog and see if there are products that fit with that and use that to promote it to that audience. You have the audience identified, find products that can plug in those holes and run campaign. Um, of course, for AdWords, I'm a big fan of ad extensions. Pat, we've talked about those on previous episodes, mm-hmm. using site link extensions or even callouts to say, hey, like, order now, you can get it by December 24th. You know, try and instill some trust there with your brand. Um, and the same can be said for remarketing, too. That's always a great tactic, but don't do it creepy. Like, I think be super helpful with it. And, and instill some trust and remind people like, hey, we have what you want or what you need and, and we're going to be here and we can we can get it to you by X number of date. Like if you order it by December 18th, it'll be on your door by December 24th, something like that. And then to kind of round that out, don't forget about your existing customers. We always as marketers fall into this trap, I, I feel. Uh, and maybe it's that whole funnel thing of how do we fill the funnel with new customers? How do I sell product to new customers? Um, and I think that if you're doing a substantial amount of business during the holidays, you need to ask yourself, okay, well, what's the percentage of those customers that were new to us last year? Did they come back and, and purchase from us again? Because I, I think that most most people get relaxed throughout the year mm-hmm. and they don't get promotions in front of those people on an ongoing basis. And they, they could do perhaps a better job of building out some more targeted email lists with specific offers for people who bought particular types of products. Again, promoting those ancillary, add-on, new features, that type of thing. You know, Apple's going to do that with the new iPhone or the new iPad when it comes out. Why can't you do that on a smaller scale with your products too? There, there should be no reason. I bought a product... For my vehicle online a year ago, in a couple of days, oh, a couple of days ago, I got a follow-up email from the company saying, "Hey, it's been a year since you bought this product. How's it going? Mm. Yeah, how's great. it working out? Yeah, that's a good strategy. Yeah, what what other things have you guys seen that that maybe have been good in that around the holidays in general? Are there any campaigns that you can think of in the past couple of years that have really maybe they sparked you to either take action or, or even just take notice? Or do you think it's just really been done that poorly? I think it's tough for me to put a green or uh, an accurate thought on that because as marketers, I'm all over the internet and I get remarketed to like crazy <laughs> mm-hmm. from things all over the place too. Not necessarily pertinent to my personal interest, but maybe my client's interests. And, and it's, it's difficult to see who's really doing what well because I'm not your average internet user in That's that regard. Point. Um, I don't know. I think uh, car companies, the big brands, are overly aggressive, and they start doing those deep, snowy, romantic <laughs> sleigh ride <laughs> things a little bit too early in the season. You know, I think I saw one before. My kids went trick or treating the other night, and that was kind of perturbing. I can't say who's doing it right, but other than the retailer I just mentioned, um, doing it wrong. I think I see it a lot. Yeah. Mm. I will have to take note this year. I, I don't 
think I've been paying close enough attention. So. Yeah. No, and I and I think as marketers we're kind of tough. We're mm-hmm. we're gonna be we're gonna be pretty like uber Picky. uber critical of yeah. it. And and like you, Pat, I'll I'll see a lot of things, but at the same time too, I mean, I get ads that are targeted, you know, pretty targeted Definitely. me from a, a car ski perspective or anything like that. So. Um, I haven't seen anything that crops up right now that I'm like, ooh, must have. I've seen some Instagram ads lately, actually, that have gotten really, really better. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really holiday related necessarily. Um, so I think as we inch closer to, you know, the the, the height of the holiday season, it, it'll be fun to maybe track and, and see if there's ones that really stand out, mm-hmm. campaigns that stand out to us. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, really good stuff. I think covering the images as well as do people trust featured snippets, and then what are you doing about promoting your products and services through the holidays? So uh, we'd love your feedback. Mm -hmm. If you have anything to add, please uh, give us some comments in the show notes. Uh, Share, like, follow. Uh, Until next time, good luck. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.